On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Keith Smith here talking about the new CBA. Can the Oklahoma City Thunder keep this core together? And more on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. On today's show, we're joined by Keith Smith of Spot Track and the Front Office Show to discuss the new CBA, how it impacts the Thunder, team building in general, and the biggest changes coming to the association this year and next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on here. Love the front office show. And, and so let's dive into the burning question right now that has just been sweeping Oklahoma City, but I think also the national audience as well. The Thunder have some of the brightest futures in the NBA. This, the the burning question is, can they keep this core together under the new CBA and with all the new rules? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm going to give a very simple answer. Right now, sure, they're fine, right? And they're fine for a little while. I, I think they're cheap enough for the next several years that they're not going to have any issue. The only player making any you know significant money on the roster right now is, is uh Shea Gilgis Alexander. And then the next most expensive player on the roster is uh, Lou Dort, but perfectly fair value for him. You got uh, Gilgis Alexander on the long-term uh, max deal, but it's the, the small max, right? The 25% max. So that's fine. And then I believe if I have my numbers correct, uh, yeah, it the third most expensive guy on the team, Chad Holmgren. I haven't seen him play a game yet, but you know, I think you're feeling pretty good about him too. So, you know, all around, they're okay. The problem will come for the Thunder and for other teams. It's when you have to start re-signing everybody and it's signing extensions with all these guys and the like. So next summer, Josh Giddy's extension eligible, but it won't kick in until 25, 26. But you're still okay, right? You're you're still in a good spot. Then the summer after that, it sounds bonkers because these guys just completed their rookie season. But then you're talking about guys like Jalen Williams and Usman Jang uh, being being extension eligible, and obviously Chet Holmgren, who you know hasn't even like we said hasn't even played a game yet. So that's where it starts to add up, and it comes very quickly. But in order for it to become a problem, you have to imagine that two or three of those guys become full max level guys. And we don't know yet, right? We, 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 it's just too far out for, for really any of those guys to project them to that. So I, I, I wouldn't at all worry about the Thunder keeping this team together long-term because they've done a very good job managing their books. They, they're not sitting on one of those uh, Bradley Beal-like contracts. That's, you know, 40 plus million dollars, uh, you know, they, cause when, when they, uh, Broke it up, boy, did they ever break it up, right? They 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 said see you later to basically everybody. And then when they ate bad contracts, they ate contracts that were like a year or two 
of bad money. It wasn't like, you know, all right, I'll take on your four year, you know, mistake here. So, so they're, they're, they're looking pretty clean moving forward. So, so there was no different mechanisms or anything in this new CBA that would, that would kind of make it harder than it was before to keep a small market core together. I mean, yes. If everybody breaks out and becomes a max level guy, then sure. Yeah. That's going to be a problem, right? I can't imagine they're looking forward to going deep into the tax with the increased tax penalties that that come you know it's it's a now now those are things where i tell people you know to some extent those should be a secondary worry for fans unless you know your ownership group is like nope not gonna pay you know 40 million dollars or whatever right like well we're gonna stick with yo we're we're gonna stick with you know maybe five six million into the tax is as far as we want to go or anything like that if you know that's the case then that that's a little bit of a different story right but if you're in a spot where it is i always say this if you're in a spot where you know like we can go a little bit into the tax you're really okay but again those are those are things that you're worried about if you're the Thunder to not even two, like three and four years from now uh, when, when all these you know, uh, big, big money extensions would start kicking in. And that's only, again, if all those guys break through and prove worthy of you know, getting big money or if you, know, you all of a sudden say, you know what, we're going to give everybody 20 million. Right. Even if they're kind of borderline, then that you know, would get you there. But I don't think Sam Presti and crew are they, they've never really operated that way. And I don't think they'll, they'll start now. Right. And, and I think that you're right, too, of of this ownership group. They've shown a willingness at times to spend that money like they did with the Paul George Russell Westbrook teams that were in the tax. And so hopefully uh, if all goes well, they'll do the same thing with this core. Uh, another CBA nugget that people have talked about a lot would be the draft and building through the draft with cost control talent being important to you. Does that mean, or does that make the horde of draft picks that the thunder have increasingly more valuable because teams are going to be seeking those to uh, kind of have more cost controlled talent or does it kind of stay the same? Yeah, it can, right? Because what you're looking at, if you're the warriors or the Clippers or now the Suns. All of a sudden, you know, for them, if they the Suns obviously have nothing left to trade, uh, but if if let, let's say you were, let's say as the Thunder, they became you know extremely enamored of uh, making it up. But let's say it was uh, Jonathan Kaminga, right? And they were like, we have to go get him. Then what they could do is they could say, hey, we'll give you three picks for Jonathan Kaminga, almost just because they can, right? Because they're still sitting on a healthy amount of extra picks. And for the Warriors, that's great because that's kind of three bites at the apple uh, as opposed to the one and hoping Kaminga develops and that would give them that opportunity to really maybe bring in somebody super uh, cost-controlled and go forward. So that's that's something that I think you do have to factor in at least a little bit. Um, with the Thunder, I think they have run into a little bit of a – issue we we've seen this in the last couple of drafts where they're not able to just overwhelm teams with hey here's seven draft picks for that one pick uh to move up because i think teams are like oh then we're gonna be in the same boat you are right we're we're now holding seven draft picks uh not not all their picks you know look quite as sexy as they once did right some of those picks are all right, you know, they're probably going to be okay. The Houston ones, those should still be pretty good. But a couple of the others, you know, we'll, we'll see, right? It's, you know, the Clippers don't look like they're going to fall apart anytime soon. Um, a couple of the others are protected picks. But they can still overwhelm a team with volume. And I think that is really important. 
you know, as you, as you move forward. And that's, that's good for them to have, right. That's good flexibility to have the one, the other thing I will caution, which is teams also know is they can't roster all these guys. Right. So at some point they have to start trading picks, you know, what a problem to have. You've drafted so well that you're not, you're not replacing your own draft mistakes with these extra picks, but it is something they're going to have to work on and figure out. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of manage that as well. Coming up, I want to put you on the hot seat about some extensions and also talk big picture CBA and what the big things that have changed are. But let's say right now, my good friends over at BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is incredible because it can help you find uh, more balance in your life. Go to betterhelp.com slash locked in MBA because sometimes, you know, we get caught up in what other people need from us and it can lead to maybe you're feeling, you know, spread too thin and you're trying to do too many things at once and you don't really understand what you need. And so better help will help you understand what you need and help you become a better version of yourself. So go check it out today uh, and, and check out therapy for yourself at better help. It's a really convenient tool as well. Cause it's built entirely around your schedule. It's entirely online and you just fill out this brief questionnaire and they match you with a the therapist. And then you can switch that therapist at no additional charge anytime. If you're not quite vibing with that therapist. So it's great and works around you. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash locked in NBA today for 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked in NBA for 10% off of your first month. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day with Keith Smith of Spot Track and the Front Office Show talking about the new CBA. So you mentioned... SGA earlier uh, is there are there still some mechanics in this new CBA where the Thunder can have some advantages when trying to extend SGA to another max contract is, is there still some weapons they can use to offer him more than other teams can man Rylan you're living like three four years in the future uh, I'm gonna start getting uh, investing advice and everything else from you because you're, you're you're down the line with this stuff um yeah, to an extent, yes. Um, we'll see you know, where the cap settles in at and all those kind of things. If he, if he continues, obviously, to be an all-NBA level guy, their best uh, tool in their pocket will be they can give him that 35% max as soon as he's eligible for it. And that's you know the, the biggest thing that they're, the, you know, the so-called super max. They would be able to get to that, which no other team could offer him because you have to either have drafted the player or acquired them while they were on their rookie scale contract, which obviously the Thunder did. So that's the big tool. But let's say he doesn't get there you're still at a spot where the, the veteran extension rules being improved in the new cba from 120 percent to 140 percent that still gives you more than enough of a leg up uh for him because it's very unlikely that his individual max will push past uh you know 55 60 million dollars in first year salary while he's wrapping up this next contract and they'll be able to push him all the way up to even his 30 percent max so they're they're in a good good place part of that is because he's already on a max deal and part of that is they did improve the the extension rules just enough that they'll be able to max him out you know early so you know should we get there at the end of the thing you know when it's the extension time they can definitely extend him and get him moving forward my guess is though because he's now established himself as an all nba level player uh and that should only get better for him right as the team continues to get better uh that's generally you know, one of the qualifiers is team success 
pass. And he's a relatively durable guy. So you hit a point where I'm not too worried about him landing into that, you know, did make the games played thresholds kind of things very often. So what we may see with him turn into to a thing is, all right, we are pushed all the way out there. And he may say, hey, I'm going to wait and make sure I'm super max eligible and then we'll get there. And the Thunder can still do that. So that's good. One, one rule that they did change. So let's say, let's say Holmgren pops and he's like, holy crap, this guy is, you know, everything we dream he would be, uh, you know, he's also a designated player guy. And then let's say I'm going to pick Jalen Williams, the, the guard one, obviously the wing one, um, because I, you know, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I, and let's say he pops. You can now have three guys that you can sign to designated uh, player extensions. It used to be you could only do two um, that you could sign. And now, you know, in, under the new CBA, they eliminated those rules. So you could sign all three of them. And that that's a little bit of, a, of an advantage for the Thunder, again, if they all pop at that level. And hopefully they do pop at that level. One <laughs> extension talk that is not years in the future, Pokashevsky. I think that you hit the nail on the head whenever you were discussing this on the front office show and also at spot track about how at this current juncture, he is extension eligible, but the, the extension would be so team friendly that there's not really much incentive for him to sign the deal because you might as well bet on yourself. Uh, this was the best basketball we've seen from Pokashevsky this last year, only though it was breaking up, broken up by injuries. Um, and so as someone who goes and grades every NBA player and tries to get these, you know, accurate ratings for them on, on spot track, if Poku just replicates, you know, last season only sans injury, so he's healthy all year, what was he trending towards in your opinion? Yeah, I think, you know, had he stayed fully healthy, and obviously now this year we'll have to see how does he mash with uh, Chet Holmgren in the front court. And But assuming that, that that can be workable, you were looking at a guy who's probably $15, 16000000 million a year player just because of, you know, the size, the skill, the youth. Um, you know, he was finally starting to shoot it pretty consistently. Um, well, not just, you know, instead of the, oh, wow, you know, he was seven out of 10 from three. And then the next three games, you know, he made, you know, combined two of, you know, 15 that turned into, you know, all right, well, the percentage isn't horrible, but it's not, it, we just knew it wasn't kind of, you know, real consistent every game stuff. It was starting the trend towards being more uh, consistent. I thought he had uh, some of the more, um, well, let's say, uh, um, adventurous and ambitious passes and things. Those were starting to come out of his game a little bit. I think he'd really, you know, adjusted well and figured out the NBA timing. Just the issue is the injuries, right? That 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 crushed him. And I want to say it was at like 34, 34, 35 games, somewhere in that range. I know it was in like the mid 30s that he played last year. That that's that more than anything, that combined with the inconsistent production. It, for the Thunder to do it now, they'd have to say, you know, eight ten million a year and for him i would be like no i'm good i'll i'll, I'll play that this year and then either you know restricted free agency a better offer will be waiting for me or you know they can always just work out a new deal uh together so i don't think we're going to see an extension coming for him uh for those reasons so so as a, a national observer who kind of doesn't have the you know the the connection to the first round pick and everything else did poku show you enough last year had he stayed healthy all year that he's like, hey, that's like an NBA caliber player. Like he'll he'll be in the league after this first contract. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, what happened was instead of all the flashes of the stuff, we're like, oh, I get it, right? That's why they went for him. And then you'd catch him, you know, the next game or two, and it'd be like, man, what are you doing? Like, he doesn't even look like he belongs out there. That was starting to be, you know, I'm not going to say every single game, but that was starting to be more consistent game to game, right? There was there was just stuff that was going over. And part of that, he's a young big, right? Young bigs take a little while to, to figure it out. And, and he's playing a different kind of game in the NBA. Uh, you know, quite often there were a lot of times, especially this past season where he was the lone, like real big on the floor. Um, you know, and that, that always, you know, put him in a little bit of a different spot too, um, where it was, all right, you know, now you get to hold things down, but I, I thought he was really putting it together in a nice way where, yeah, a hundred percent NBA player without a doubt, you know, no question in my mind. So, Keith, what is, like, the changes? Like, if you could handpick, like, two, three, four changes that you think fans should know, because you mentioned, like, some of the CBA stuff, fans shouldn't even worry themselves with it. Like, things that you think fans should know about that have changed in the new CBA, what, what would they be? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? So you've got the vast majority of the focus has been on the second tax apron and the penalties and restrictions against teams that are the most expensive teams. And that's fine. Right. And that's, that's fair because that's one, some of that hits right now, you know, that there, there are a handful of those things that go into play uh, here in 10 ish days or so when, you know, free agency opens. So we're, we're now there. Right. And, and some of those things are just, they're very top of mind because it's impacting some of the best teams. So you've got, the Warriors, the Clippers, the, you know, the, where the Nets were trending, uh, the Celtics are up against some of those things. So some of the better teams are the teams that, you know, people look at. And obviously the Suns have fully launched themselves uh, into that conversation. And those are important. Don't get me wrong. But the teams that are that expensive, we're talking two, three, four teams, maybe each season. Um, what it has done is, they, in effect, at least put somewhat of an upper cap. Like they, they, they talked about a hard cap, an upper spending limit, all the silly names they tried to give all this stuff. And where they landed was, we're going to do a second apron, but it's not a hard cap. You can blow right by it to resign your own guys. And if you can add you know, salary for this kind of grace period year that you have, which is what the Suns have done, you can go straight past that. But in future years, you're going to be limited to sign your draft picks and resign your own players. Now, what what's happened is that has set a, in effect a little bit of a, I'm not going to call it a hard cap because it isn't, but it's, it's at least set a barrier that teams are like, all right, we're going to try to avoid that. Right. We're going to do what we can to kind of stay under that number just because it becomes so restrictive. For example, teams that are above that super tax line, let's go a year from now when basically everything kicks in, because as I said, there's all these gross grace period uh, years right now, but, as we get into it, there is, you can you won't have any exceptions to sign players, meaning no mid-level, right? There's no $5 million taxpayer mid-level that you can use if you're super expensive. You lose that, that goes away. There is no spot where you are in a, in a position to be able to say, let's go get the, um, you know, go, we're going to trade these two, you know, $20 million and a $15 million player, and we'll go get a $40 million 
power player. Not only are you tighter on your salary matching, it's only 110% of what you're sending out versus 125. Um, you also, starting next year, a year from now, you won't be able to aggregate two salaries together to do that. So what the Suns just did by putting Chris Ball and Landry Shamit together to get Bradley Beal, that won't be allowed in the future. You'll always be allowed to send a guy out and take back two or three players, but you, you can't do that. Uh, same restrictions exist as being over the other hard cap. You won't be able to do a sign and trade, you know, where you send guys out or say uh, acquire a player via sign and trade, those sorts of things. So there's a whole bunch of stuff you can't do. And those restrictions are, I think, the, the big things that a lot of people are seeing and looking at. I touched on one as we went with SG. Okay, which is a little bit more of a reasonable piece, which is they um, increased the veteran extension rules. So what they did was it used to be 120 percent um, for the veteran extension. Now that's gone up to 140 percent. And that's that's really, um, you know, good. Um, it, it's a it's I don't think they went quite as far as they should have. I kind of think, you know, hey, if the guy's qualified, and you want to extend him all the way up to his max. Like you should be able to do that. Um, you know, let let that be a you know piece for the teams and players to decide. But at least they're moving in the right direction, right? It went from being something that very few guys would do to something that's now more in play for for a lot more players. Um, in those situations, so that that those, those are a couple of the the big ones that I think kind of hit hit everybody else. There's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, and and I'm gonna save one or two because I know I know I know you're asking you're you're gonna ask me next for some of my favorite things, but but I'll, I'll hang on to those until we get a little deeper. I will ask you about some of your favorite uh, changes to the next CBA. But first, I want to tell you right now, we're good friends over at FanDuel, fanduel.com slash lockdown. It's the Lockdown Podcast Sportsbook and America's number one sportsbook. Go check it out today. FanDuel will give new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Whenever you use the code LOCKDOWN at FanDuel.com slash LOCKDOWN. And right now, you can go bet on the WNBA. You can bet on MLB. Uh, and you can just go. You can also make you know future bets on who you think will sign where and, and and who you think will win next year's NBA championship over at FanDuel. So you can still bet on the NBA if that's what you're in. But Keith, I know that you are a New York Yankees fan, and so you can bet on the New York Yankees tonight uh, on FanDuel if you want to and see where they're going to stack up whenever they play. But go check it out today at FanDuel.com/slash/lockdown. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Keith, thank you for joining us. Now, I want to give you the floor because I know from watching the front office show every video, from, from following you on Twitter, I know that you get into the weeds in the CBA more than anyone. What are just some, what are just some changes that really get you going about this new CBA? Yeah, I think the whole goal of this CBA was take the teams that were way up here in salary and the teams that were way down here and try to push them like this, right? Try to push everybody even. That's where they want this to go. So a couple of things that excited me. We talked about all the tax stuff that should hopefully push some teams down. I really like they increase the value of the non-tax pyramid level exception. And it's going up to, it'll be about 12.2 million this year. 
that's a good healthy increase. They also increased the room exception, which I know Thunder fans have been familiar with uh, from years past when they've had cap space. Um, that is kind of, I like to think of that as that's your bonus exception, right? If you, if you had a bunch of cap space, here's a little bit more. They increased the spending power of that. They essentially flip-flopped it with the taxpayer MLE. So it's now about $7 million and the taxpayer MLE went down to about $5 million. They also increased um, on the room exception, the number of years you can offer that out. They took a year off the taxpayer. So the most expensive teams, they're basically saying, hey, we're going to make it a little harder on you to add outside talent, right? We're, we're going to make this just that much more difficult. So I like those. I really won that kind of, you know, th this gets like into the nerdy stuff for me. I really like the second round pick exception that they created. Um, what had happened over a number of years was teams were taking their, their uh, non-taxpayer MLE generally, and they were saying sometimes the taxpayer MLE, but what they were doing was they were carving out enough of that to offer a player a, a deal generally slightly above the minimum uh, that they had drafted in the second round slightly above the minimum in the first year so that they could sign them to a three or four year uh, contract. And what then they usually did was the back half of that was usually non-guaranteed. The final year was quite often a team option. So that way, if the player really broke out, a la Nikola Jokic uh, several years ago, you could control the process by making them a restricted free agent. Teams wanted to do that as well because unlike – what Dallas didn't do with Jalen Brunson, they didn't give him the team option, and he was just into unrestricted free agency, and they were kind of stuck with what they could do. So what they did was they created this second-round pick exception, and what that second-round pick exception does is it says you can sign your second-round pick to a contract that kind of mirrors what these teams were doing anyway. Um, you can sign a player to that and have them right away under contract um, for that without having to dip into your, your other ex ex exception. So instead of carving out 2 million bucks out of your $12 million non-taxpayer MLE, you could still spend the 12 million on one guy if you want. And then you can sign your second round pick uh, using the six. And that's, that's, big because it just introduces a little bit more money into the system for everybody, right? The, the second round guy still gets what he likely would have got, uh, still gets the long-term deal. The team gets the friendliness of that if the player breaks out. And then you get more money going to veteran guys because we're not carving out chunks of, of these exceptions. So that's one of my favorite things um, that they did in this new CBA. Keith, we've talked your favorites and the kind of nerdy details. Was there anything that, from the CBA that just kind of jumps out as like, I really do not like that change? Yeah, I hit on it a little bit. I wish they had gone a little further into the um, the extension rules. I just wish, you know, the 140 is nice. I wish they'd gone up a little bit and said, hey, let's uh, let, let, let's make that you know, a slightly bigger um, amount, you know, go all the way up to their max amount if you want to extend a player. I think they, that that should happen. I don't know how I feel about this whole 65 games for league, you know, honor type stuff, mostly not as much about the league honors, but how those league honors for many players are tied into a contract. That part seems a little weird. Now there seems like there's, you know, no less than 9 million exceptions to this where it's like, you know, if a player gets hurt like this or this happens, only one game counts as an absence, but not the next one, you know, and all these things. And that's going to take forever to play out. And we'll all be very confused as, you know, is, you know, 
player X eligible or not? Like, I don't even know anymore. You know, with that. And we'll, we'll find those out as the league clarifies those for voters um, as we get later in the year. At least I hope, right, that that's what they do. Um, so that turns into a that, – that one I thought was a little weird. I'm, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of that. I'm willing to, to let it play out and see – you know, kind of how that comes uh, to, together in, in those uh, situations with that. The positionless All-NBA, I, it's okay. I, I don't know that I necessarily love it, but it's it's fine. Um, positionless All-Defense is also a little weird to me, I'm afraid. We may see the All-Defense turn into, you know, seven or eight centers, right? Because that seems to be the position that most people give the nod to on those. I think just, you know, as long as we have good educated voters, it'll probably be okay with that. They, um, two, two other, I'll, I, I like to end on a positive. So I'm going to flip it back to, to two things I forgot to share that I do like. They made it so that you can use, let's, let's say you have your taxpayer MLE and you don't use it. You can use that like a trade exception. Uh, the, in, in the new CBA where you can acquire a player into that amount. That was not a thing in pre prior years. So I think that's kind of a fun, you know, wrinkle there where um, like, again, I know the thunder, they were in positions where not always for them because they generally had a couple fairly large trade exceptions laying around, but they were in a position, you know, where our, we've used our cap space. Um, man, we would really like to, to go get this guy, but we don't want to trade out a salary because we like these players. Oh, you know, we could use this $12 million trade except to go get a player if they didn't sign someone with that. So I think that's, you know, a really kind of, um you know, uh, fun, fun wrinkle uh, to that one. And then I think the, what was the last one I was going to hit on? Now it's gone out of my head. Oh, they did the cap smoothing this time around. So we're not going to see the cap when the new TV contract starts. It's not going to jump, you know, 20, $30 million from one season to the next. They, they capped that at a 10% growth uh, year over year. And what, where that comes about, part of the reason I like this is it shows just how good the relationship is now between the players association and the league itself where when they pitched the cap smoothing idea back in 2016, it was like, absolutely not. You're trying to rip us off. Like, you know, we're never going to get this money back. And now, you know, unfortunately, let's, let's knock on wood and hope we never have to work through a pandemic again. But they worked through that. They took care of everybody, kept everybody as whole as they could on all sides, salary-wise and all those sorts of things. And what that turned into was, now, when they pitch the cap smoothing, it's like, all right, we get what you're going for here. Let's kind of keep 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 moving in the same direction where we all feel pretty positive. So I, I think you know, all around, though, those are some pretty good changes that they made. So, Keith, I have a couple more questions real quick. The one sure. the one that I love is the third two-way slot. Now, yeah. that's, that's as someone who works with, like, you know, the blue and the thunder are so, you know, synergized with their G League infrastructure – is that just a simple win for for young players the way that I see it, or is there is there maybe not that clean cut win for players as I think it is? Yeah, if you talked to some agents and some players, especially those guys, they're 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 the guys kind of the, the ten ten day contract kind of guys, end of the roster kind of players, and the agents who represent a lot of guys like that, they're not always big fans of the two-way process. They'd rather just, hey, add standard roster spots. Like, well, why do we have to mess around with this? And, you know, maybe the idea is, you know, hey, if you're in, you know, 
you know, made well, one of the ideas I heard pitch was, which I thought was kind of fun, was rather than it be a two way contract, what if you pitched it as roster spots, you know, 15, 16, and 17 are standard NBA contracts, but no matter who fills them, you can put them in the G League if you want, versus, you know, veteran players can say no to G League assignments and things like that when they have enough years in the league. So that's one idea there is because what the thought is. Teams and some teams have done this. The Phoenix Suns were chief among them. They left open standard roster spots quite often because they had players on two-way deals. Um, so that that's one thing that I do worry about a little bit is our teams going to do it. Now, with the third one, they put in some restrictions, right, where you have to have X amount of players under contract before you can even sign the third spot. Um, league-wide, you have to maintain uh, so many uh, roster spots being full of your, your 15 standard spots um, you know, over a period of time. Otherwise, the Players Association can say, no more third two-way, get rid of it. Um, so I think as long as teams treat it right and they they you know continue to fill out their rosters mostly whole with that, I think it's great. Then I think it's awesome. The G League's taking on increased importance across the league. Phoenix is now the only team without a G League, a direct G League affiliate. Portland's will start playing this year, and the new Phoenix ownership group has said, "Yeah, we will have a G League team." They're they're just working through that. So so we're in a spot where we're going to see thirty teams, and they're going to make that more of a real minor league. And I think that's great, you know, because I think it would be really cool to. You know, if and when they ever expand the draft and get rid of the one and done rule or whatever stuff happens with that, I think then you see the possibility of them saying, all right, you want to come in straight out of high school, that's fine. But year one, you have to spend X amount of time in the G League, you know, for some of these guys, you know, the, the, the non-LeBron level uh, guys, you know, if, if you will. And you know, you're going to spend the time. And I think that makes it more fun for NBA fans because now it's like, oh, I have a real reason to watch, right? Our, our an actual kid we you know, really have high hopes on, on being on this team at some point is you know, down there playing. So they're going to do things to turn that into much more of a functional minor league system. And it's already taken steps that way. So last two, one about the CBA, one about the Thunder. Is it too early to tell who's won or lost the CBA? Or, or do you already have a gut feeling of like who you think will quote unquote win this, this round of CBA, uh, you know, iteration? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe it's just me being too positive about this. One, we all win, fans, players, teams, everybody, because there was no lockout, right? A lockout would would have been bad news for everyone. So, you know, that's really good that, that we didn't end up going that down that path. So that's great. Um, I think there's also, if we look at it just kind of objectively, I know there's been a lot of stuff. We see it all floating around Twitter and social media and different blog posts of what were the players thinking? They gave up, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, why did they do this? Well, the players still get, you know, somewhere between 49 and 51% of the basketball revenue. And that's huge for them. And not only that, but they have all these investment angles now where they can invest. They can't, it got a little misreported and we'll get more detail when the, it's weird, right? We're, we're recording this on the 20th. The CBA is still not even a team yet. And it's 10 days away from going into, you know, being a thing. And, you know, they still don't have it. So so we're, we're going to get more detail on this when it actually comes out and it's available. 
but they can't invest direct in their team. Like the way Chig Gilgis Alexander can't say, hey, I want to invest 10% of my next contract in the Thunder. What they can do is invest in these kind of funds for the league, which allow them in, to invest in the, the kind of the league as a whole, which is good, right? That's even more way they can share, you know, in profits from the league, but as individuals instead of as a collective. So, so that's really important too. So I, it's, I, I don't know. We're going to find out, right, if 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 all of a sudden we see teams are breaking up and, you know, well, we had our five-year window and that's it and we can't keep, you know, these six guys we drafted. Well, that that's probably a loss for the team side as an unintended consequence. But, you know, I'm willing to give it, you know, let's let it play out over the next few years to see what it looks like. So, Keith, the Thunder question, it's a busy time of year. Obviously, you're going to be chugging uh, your, your coffee. you got to get your coffee <laughs> order, too. But um, as someone who does all your great tools you have on Track, you know, grading the players, ranking free agents, you know, you're, you're evaluating the team's outlook on the offseason and beyond. As someone who has that national eye for everything that's going on around the NBA, when, when would be the right time, in your opinion, for this Thunder team to – um, make a pretty substantial move toward trying to compete, trying to go on a run in the postseason. Would it be this offseason? Would it be next summer? Like just kind of gauging where the Western Conference is at and, and where the Thunder are at. What do you see playing out or what would you do if you were in that chair? Yeah, they're pretty good right now, right? I, I think we can all see the makings of something potentially really special, but at the very least, you know, playoff team. Um, you know, with, with the kind of just the current core iteration. And if Chad Holmgren becomes what I think we probably all think he will become, you know, then that becomes, all right, that, that he, he's a ceiling raiser, right? He doesn't, I don't think there's any chance he really lowers the floor, but I think he could really raise the ceiling um, over time. So that becomes, all right, now we're a for sure playoff team. And then we want to be more, right? We want to contend for titles. I think for the Thunder, this offseason or next are pretty big ones for them. Um, they, I, I have been saying for a while, do, do you remember when Philadelphia was like, we have to be good now, right? Like we, we've been really bad for a lot of years and they had a ton of cap space and they went out and they gave JJ Redick a $19 million one year contract. And a lot of people were like, what in the world are the Sixers doing? JJ Redick is not worth that. That, that was not far off a of max at that time. And people were like, this is insane that they gave him this contract. Well, the right read on the room was one, he felt it filled a very large need for them. They needed a shooter. But the other thing was, it almost doesn't matter how much you pay a guy. If it's a one year deal, even if it's a two year deal, you're probably okay. So I've pitched the idea if the thunder and they could go in any number of ways with this, but if they looked at it and said, well, you know, we really want a, a center. We want like a true center. We we really like Brooke Lopez. And we want to go give Brooke Lopez, you know, $25 million a year for each of the next two seasons. It's fine. It's not going to hurt them, right? They, there's, there's no chance that deal ever, you know, especially if it was only one year, there's no chance that could ever hurt them. You know, even if Brooke Lopez is all of a sudden turns into a pumpkin and isn't good, well, it was one year and we're out of it. Um, the only way it hurts them is if it's like, well, we're still going to play him 30 minutes a night and Holmgren's going to get 15. And they obviously clearly wouldn't do that. Right. So I think, you know, you could go that route. Or if they really wanted to say, well, you know what we could really use is one more you know, wing and go kind of Harrison Barnes is the guy who just fits for us. And we want to go get him and give him $25 million for each of the next two seasons. Again, 
totally fine. Not going to hurt them because of how good and clean the books are. And they still have all those guys on rookie deals. As we talked about at the top of the show, they're in a spot where you got about a two-year window here before things start to maybe start to get a little expensive. And then in that third year out, now you're starting to really kind of add up and probably starting to pile up some some fairly big salaries as these guys improve and come off their rookie scale contracts. So what we're really looking at is in the next couple of years, if you can land that guy, that's great because they're going to help you push forward in the next two years. And I think, you know, a guy like Holmgren, you know, if you said, hey, play some minutes alongside Brooke Lopez as a four, um, play play minutes, you know, as the five, but kind of watch what he does. And what a great guy to learn from, right? What a great guy to go against every day in practice. Now, I'm not saying Brooke Lopez is leaving, you know, uh, you know, Milwaukee, maybe not. You know, I even think a guy like Nikola Vucevic probably give him a little bit less, but again, not a bad option if you wanted to pay that way. You know, guards, I'd probably, I think they've got more than enough guards and good ones. So I'm probably staying away from guards. So I'm looking for maybe a little bit more size, you know, on the roster, you know, either center or, or forward, you know, that's a true forward size, but they, they, they really can't do it. My guess is they, probably don't go big game hunting like that. Right. And they, you know, they've tended to be a little bit more patient and a little more, we'll, we'll do our work around the edges. The other reason why I'll say this too, and I'll close with this part of that uh, thought is they only have like one or two roster spots to fill. Cause it's not like they're sitting on, ah, this guy's on a non-guarantee and he's not very good. Right. I know for a fact from talking to people around the league and people with the thunder, they like the guys on the roster. They, you know, even the guys who are in right now in those 14th and 15th spots, they really like those guys. So, you know, so they, they're not sitting on a, well, you know, we got to fill five roster spots with that 30 million in cap space. It's more like we have to fill one or two and we have a draft pick coming in. So it's probably really more like one. And so, yeah, if you wanted to throw a whole bunch of money at one free agent, it's certainly not a bad idea because everything else is already in place. Keith, this was fantastic. I know you've got the front office show live stream again for the draft, uh, and you've got free agency midnight streams that we'll be hopping into as well. <laughs> yep. uh, what else you got cooking for us on Spot Track and, of course, the front office show? Yeah. I released a fun piece uh, this week um, just went up last night about, you know, which GMs trade with, with each other the most. It's something I've kind of messed around with a little bit. And there was a fun back and forth on Twitter that made me say, you know what, let's finish this, right? Let's get, get this out there. And, you know, so that, that, that posted and, uh, and went up here in the last uh, little bit. So that, that was, um, you know, fun to put together. I've got a few more uh, team previews coming out. We're down to kind of the, 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 the teams that went the deepest into the season. So those will continue to come out over the next couple of days. Uh, uh, post draft, we'll have a ton of draft stuff coming out where it'll be, you know, um, breakdowns of whatever trades went on during the draft, as well as a post draft cap space projection. Because guaranteed that'll probably change to some extent over the course of the the draft night. You know, I Ryland, I got super excited when Woj said on I think it was the Ryan Rosillo show, he said something to the effect of, "I'm not really going to worry about tweeting out every pick. He's going to be focused on trade news." I got like, "Whoa, wait! Did Woj just kind of tell us he's expecting a lot of trades?" Which that got me super fired up because. I was like, this is going to be awesome. So, yeah, so those are the kind of things you can look forward to coming out here uh, pretty soon on Spot Track with a lot of detailed analysis and a whole bunch of stuff 
like you said, on Front Office Show with Trevor Lane and I. We'll be live for the draft. We'll be live the Friday after, uh, breaking everything down and all the follow. Uh, ho- hopefully, we'll get a few hours of sleep on the back end, end of that before we go live. But it's going to be a lot of fun. This is a fun, fun uh, few weeks of the year. And then Summer League, which I can't wait. I'm actually going back in person for the first time since, since the pandemic. So I'm super excited about that, too. Super fun. Cannot wait for front office Friday on like one hour sleep from you, Keith. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I cannot thank you enough for your spot track tools of like, you have tools on there for projections. You have tools on there for all the future picks that the Thunder have both first round and second round and every other team. Uh, yeah, my dad had buy a second server to house all that information just for the Thunder, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> right. that's how that went down. I don't know. But yeah, it's fun. We're continuing to add a lot of stuff. I'll give you a sneak preview. It's going to come later this summer. We're going to add roll tags to all the players in the NBA. So if you wanted to look up, you know, the old sayings of things like, you know, oh, you know, three-point shooters always get paid. You'll be able to, you know, who are the guys that we tagged as primary offensive role, three-point shooter, and you'll be able to look them up and pull them more. You know, if somebody says, you know, yeah, what's the average rim protector go for nowadays? You'll be able to pull somebody up who's tagged with the rim protector tag. And that's common. Uh, it's a summertime project when, you know, there's nothing else to really fully dive into where we're going to get into all that work. And I'm super excited about it. I love it. I'm going to try to pay you to uh, tag Poku as a unicorn and let's see if I can, <laughs> see if I can do that for you. But Keith... Again, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.